All right. Praise the Lord. You have your Bibles with you this morning? I only heard about three yeses. Anybody have their Bible with them this morning? Last week, I talked to you about the prophetic word becoming your world. The prophetic word becoming your world. I want to continue on that theme and remind you that our prophetic word this year, days of glory, days of flourishing, and days of abounding. Say that with me. Days of glory, days of flourishing, and days of abounding. Now that's what God wants happening in our lives. He wants that prophetic word to become your world. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, let me just briefly go over some of the things we talked about last week uh, for the benefit of those of you who were not here and also for the benefit of of just a matter of uh, making sure you got it, praise God. In Acts chapter 3, and I'm going to read it from the New International Version, beginning in verse 24 and verse 25, indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many have spoken, have foretold these days. And this is what Peter stood up and said that crowd shortly after they had been baptized in the Holy Ghost in the upper room. And he's out there with that crowd wondering what's going on. And so he says to them, the prophets from Samuel on, they spoke and they saw and foretold these days. So what the prophets, beginning with Samuel, talked about and prophesied, Peter is, selling, uh, Peter is telling them that today it has come to pass. In other words, the prophetic word has now become your world. Say that with me. The prophetic word became their world. And then he goes on to say, and you are heirs of the prophets. And of the covenant made with your fathers. So the prophetic word is designed by God, obviously, to come to pass. It's not just words. It's something that God desires to come to pass in our lives. Hallelujah. And, of course, there's been prophetic words spoken uh, about our day. Amen. And uh, the word that the Lord gives us each and every year. Uh, We are to take that word. And, and, and do what we've learned in the Word of God. And we'll go over some of that this morning. Do what we've learned to do from the Word of God and cause that prophetic Word to become our world. Amen. In other words, God wants you to be able to look back at the end of this year and be able to say, that's exactly what happened to me. It was days of glory, days of flourishing, and days of abounding. Can you say Amen. Now, how many of you believe that's what's going to happen to you? Praise God. Say it with me. My world will be days of glory, days of flourishing, and days of abounding. Okay, now, let's, let's look at some things this morning. And, and uh, I want you to go, first of all, to Second Peter. Second Peter, verse, chapter 1. Verse 12 and 13, because I'm going to say some things this morning that you've heard before, most of you. I've been preaching some of the things that I'll be saying to you this morning. I've been preaching 
for 49 years. Verse 12 says, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet or necessary as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. So Peter's saying, even though you've heard these things from me before, and many of you are established in them, it's my responsibility as long as I'm in this earthly tabernacle to keep reminding you of them and keep you stirred up about them. Because it's quite possible you have allowed some of them to slip. The writer of the book of Hebrews says that, lest these things slip. And, and the body of Christ is guilty of that. We've all been guilty of that from time to time where we learn things, we become established in it, and uh, we know to do it, and, and we've done it, and we've seen results, and then for whatever reason, we just quit doing it. And it may not have been a conscious decision you made, but, you know, sometimes you just get caught up in the things that's happening in the world, uh, get to watching the news too much, get to reading the newspaper too often. <laughs> you know, I like to read the newspaper. I really do. Uh, I look at the sports. I want to see what's going on in my world. Amen. But if I happen to read the front page and, you know, a couple of other pages there, my attitude is I'm redeemed from that. I'm redeemed from that. And I'm redeemed from that. Let's get on to something important, sports. Praise God. Amen. So sometimes you can spend too much time dealing with worldly things that you let spiritual truths slip. Amen. So let's see how that the prophetic word can become our world. And it's, and it's built upon basic principles that we've all heard, we all know, many established in, but are you still stirred up about it? Okay, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10, and I want to read verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. I want to read it to you from the message translation. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. Now, the prophetic word is a promise as well. Not only what we see in the written word, but the prophetic word also comes as a promise from God. In fact, uh, the Bible says, uh, men of old were moved upon by the Holy Spirit and, and, and gave voice to what, what God desired, what God wanted to do in people's lives. So it became, when they spoke it, it came as a promise. But they had to hold fast to it in order for it to come to pass. So the Bible says, keep a firm grip. Everybody say a firm grip. Firm grip. Reach over and grip somebody's hand and grip it firmly. 
you know, my father-in-law, Carolyn's dad, he was a builder. He built houses and, and boy, he had a grip. He was a, he was a, he's a little man like me, small in stature, but brother, he could put the biggest of men to their knees with his grip. Amen. One time he, he, uh, injured his, uh, 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 hand and, and, uh, I knew it. And I, I said, shake hands with me, Olin. And he shook hands with me and he didn't have the grip because he'd injured his hand. And I thought, now's my opportunity. <laughs> that boy, that man been putting me to my knees ever since I've known him. I said, now's my opportunity, you know? And, and one time I was invited out to, uh, the uh, police academy in Los Angeles to minister to the, the graduates, the cadets that were graduating. And uh, the man that was in charge, uh, he, I noticed when he came to pick me up, he had a cast on his right hand. <clears throat> I asked him what had happened. <clears throat> and he talked, told me about the injury that he had. And so during the service that night, now I'm preaching all these cadets, graduates from the police academy. And uh, there's not a church service, you know, a bunch of Christian people. And uh, so that night after I got through preaching, I began to flow in the word of knowledge. And uh, I said, somebody, and then all of a sudden I realized what I was about to say. This man had already told me that's what happened to him. So I almost didn't say it because I didn't want him to think that I was saying the Lord told me, but he told me. And I said, well, Lord, what do you want me to do about that? He said, I want you to say it. And so I turned and I said, the Lord told me about your injury and that he's going to heal you tonight. And so the moment I said he's going to heal you tonight, that man reached in his pocket, got his knife out and cut the cast off. Now, I don't know how much longer he had to wear that cast, but he just, he went to cutting it off and threw it on the floor. To my surprise, <laughs> I didn't know he was going to do that. I didn't tell him to do that, but he just took his knife and cut the cast off and threw it. And all those police cadets, graduates were all watching. And he went to moving his hand like this. He said, I got the feeling back. I'm healed. I believe I'm healed. I thought, okay, let's find out if you're really healed. Olin, he was with me. My father-in-law was with me. I said, Olin, come up here. He walked up there and he looked up at that man. He's a big man. I said, if you're really healed, I want my father-in-law to shake hands with you. And I knew Olin, he don't shake hands like, you know, some girly kind of thing. I mean, boy, he put, he put the grip on. And uh, uh, I said, Olin, shake hands with him. Boy, Olin stood there and he put the grip on him. That guy didn't even, he didn't even flinch. And then in a little bit, he started gripping Olin's hands. And in a little while, I saw Olin do this. I said, sir, if you're really healed, put it on him. And he gripped down and Olin is wanting his hand to be released. And I said, no, if you're really healed. I got Olin back that night. He said, boy, you like to broke my arm, broke my hand. You know? That guy was completely healed, you know, completely healed. Praise God. Amen. So notice here he says, let us keep a firm grip. Grip somebody's hand again with a firm grip. He says, let us have a firm grip on the promises. 
Now, how many of you grip the promises firmly? Like you would shaking somebody's hand, you know, like a man's supposed to shake hands. He said, keep a firm grip on the promises. Why? So Satan can't steal them. So no one can deprive you of the fulfillment of them. Keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. In other words, they motivate us. They keep us on track when it looks like nothing's happening, when it looks like nothing's working. What I've got is a firm grip on the promise, praise God. And I'm not going to let go of it because God always keeps his word. I think you ought to give him a good shout for that, praise God. God always keeps his word. Now, if you know what God has promised, and how would you ever know what God has promised? It's in the book. Amen. Read the book. All the promises of God are yea and amen. Hallelujah. So if you know what God has promised, then you can rest assured that he will bring it to pass. But your responsibility is keep a firm grip on it. It's not if it happens, it's when it happens. Can you say amen? amen. Isaiah 55, 11, you're familiar with it, but I'm going to read it to you from the message translation. The words that come out of my mouth will not come back empty handed. They'll do the work I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. Every promise of God has an assignment. Amen. If you find a promise from God, and you'll find many in this book, think immediately, that promise has an assignment. And that assignment is come to pass in my life. Say it with me. Every promise has an assignment. And that assignment is come to pass in my life. So if God has told us that we are going to have days of glory, days of flourishing, and days of abounding, and you keep a firm grip on it, and that promise has an assignment on it, you ought to be shouting right now in advance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Every promise that God gives has an assignment. And once again, that assignment is to come to pass in our lives. But it's our responsibility to keep a firm grip on the promise. I know it's difficult. And I know that it's all, it often looks as though it will never come to pass. But you can't give up. Amen. You can't give up. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you can't give up. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 through 18. And the message translation says this. When God made promise to Abraham, he backed it to the hilt, putting his own reputation on the line. He said, I will bless you with everything that I have. Abraham stuck it out and got everything that had been promised to him. Hallelujah. Amen. Abraham stuck it out and got everything. Everybody say everything. Everything. Not some things. Not a few things, but everything. Hallelujah. God promised Abraham things that in the natural were impossible. But Abraham stuck it out. And he got everything 
that God had promised him. I don't know what you plan to do this year, but I'm going to stick it out. Just like I do every year. I'm going to stick it out. And my year is going to be days of glory, days of flourishing, and days of abounding. Hallelujah. Praise God. Do you want everything that God has promised you? Then make the quality decision that quitting is no longer an option. Now that's something you've heard me say. If you've been going to this church very long, if you've been under our ministry very long, you've heard me say it time and time and time and time again. I've had people ask me over the years, many times, what do you believe your assignment is? And I always say the same thing. Talk people into winning. Talk people into winning, praise God. Hallelujah. That's, that's why I preach. Talk people into winning. So you have to make the quality decision that quitting is no longer an option. And the way you begin this, now here's where we get back into some basics, some things that you've already heard, you know, some of you are established in. But Peter said, as long as I'm in this earthly tabernacle, I'm going to keep telling you these things to keep you stirred up. Look at your neighbor and say, you look like you you could use some stirring. (laughs) Amen. So the way you begin this, are you ready for this? Some of you are not going to like it. Some of you don't want to hear it. Watch your mouth. Oh, Brother Jerry, give us something deeper. It don't get any deeper in your mouth. Watch what you allow to come out of your mouth. You can't be talking days of glory and days of flourishing and days of abounding and at the same time, same time, talking lack, defeat, failure. James said, my brethren, you shouldn't have, you know, bitter and blessing coming out of the same mouth. Cursing and blessing coming out of the same mouth. So you have to make the decision to put a guard over your vocabulary. Because you can't talk any way you want to talk anymore. Not unless you're not interested in having God's promise fulfilled. Amen. So one of the first things I learned, you know, in 1969 when I came into this, and and you know, I I came into it as a result of hearing Kenneth Copeland. And um, I, I didn't know the power of words back then. You know, I just talk like the rest of the world. And like some of you still talk. And um, (laughs) I just talk like the rest of the world. And I had no idea that that words carried power. You know, I mean, you know, I knew the little thing. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Lie, lie, lie. (laughs) The devil sold that lie starting in nursery school. He started programming you to think that your words had nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with your outcome. Had nothing to do with your future. Has everything to do with it. And uh, so, you know, I had to learn to put a guard over my vocabulary. But the first thing you have to do is replace it 
with God's Word. You can't just do this standing in front of the mirror and say, I won't talk negative, I won't talk negative, I won't talk negative, I won't talk negative. You can't do this with mind power. You can't do this with just positive thinking. It takes the Word of God. You got to reprogram your spirit. Because Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So whatsoever in your heart in abundance, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. Brother Hagin used to say, uh, you know, I don't need to spend all day with a person to locate their faith. Give me five minutes. Just listen to what, how they talk. And in five minutes, I can locate their faith. Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. And if you come to church every week and you're hearing me or Justin or somebody else talking about the prophetic word that God has given us, and then you walk right out of this building and, and, and go to talking, you know, to somebody on their way to the car, you know, that's great, but it never happens to me. I wish it happened to me. You know, I, I don't know what's wrong with our family. We just, we just never have good things happen. We just located you. Amen. That's like, you know, people that, that, that use foul language. Uh, you know, I was in the elevator one time with John Osteen. We were at Kenneth Hagin's camp meeting, and we were going up to our hotel room. And, and we just come out of the service, you know, and, man, the anointing was so strong, and we're talking the word, the sermon that Brother Hagin preached to one another. Then the door opened, and some other guys got in, and, and they were talking filthy language and, and cursing. And, and it, was like, it was like somebody just threw a, a wet blanket in the, in the elevator. It just, you know, the atmosphere changed. And so John just stood there with his arms folded. And they were saying, GD this and GD that, you know. And, and uh, John said, hey, Brother Jerry, I noticed these guys have God on their hearts. They keep talking about him. You know Jesus? And boy, all of a sudden, I don't know what floor they wanted to get off on, but all of a sudden the next floor was the one they wanted. And all all John said was, I hear you you talking about God. Maybe you're interested. You want to know Jesus? And boy, they got off that elevator as quick as they could, and the atmosphere became wonderful once again. Praise God. But what really got them off the elevator was, now we know what's in your heart in abundance, John said. Wow. Wow. Now we know what's in your heart in abundance. Yeah. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. I was standing with Brother Copeland one time out at the airport uh, in his hangar. And uh, we were talking airplanes and some guys came up and, and uh, they went to using foul language. And, and uh, you know, then all of a sudden one of them said, oh, Brother Copeland, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk like that. And he said, yes, you did. <laughs> now, you know, Kenneth Copeland, he don't pull any punches. <laughs> you know? And he said, yes, you did. No, no, preacher, we're sorry. We, if we'd have been thinking, we wouldn't have been using that kind of language around you. He said, yes, you intended to use that. And he said, uh, well, why do you say that? And he said, because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. You can't help it. That's why you talk all the time. And that's the way you talk in front of me. And when you leave here, that's the way you'll be talking then until you replace what's in your heart. 
Now, how many of you are familiar with Babe's restaurant over in Burleson? And they got one, uh, you know, we've taken there, you know. And uh, we're over at Babe's one time. We took some folks over there and we're sitting at the table and we've, we've ordered our food, you know. And the four more people came in and the, the tables are real close and they put them right next to us. And when the man, one of the men, there was two couples, one of the men, when he, when he was walking to the table, he was cussing. And when he sat down, he didn't quit cussing. And he just went on and on. And finally it got, you know, repulsive. And I, I turned and looked at the guy and his wife was shaking her head. You know, she was embarrassed by his conversation and, and it just filth, just filth. And, and finally she said, why don't you shut up? If you, can't, if you can't talk without cussing, why don't you shut up? His exact words were, well, what the hell did I say? She said, see there, see there, you can't say three words without cussing. And then he said, well, damn, I can't even talk. She said, that's what I'm trying to tell you. You can't talk without cussing. He, he, he did it so often. That's what his heart was full of. Amen. That he didn't even realize it was coming out of him. That's exactly the way most Christians are. They're so full of unbelief. They're so full of doubt. They're so full of failure. They're so full of defeat. They're so full of sickness. They're so full of lack. They just talk it all the time. And if you try to correct them, well, what did I say? Hello? How many of you want God's best? Then folks, it begins with your mouth. Glory to God. Now I've heard people say when I start preaching about the mouth and words again, oh, we got to go back to watching what we say. I always say, why'd you ever stop? Why did you ever stop watching what you say? This is not like algebra that you learned in the ninth grade, pass the test, and then never use it again. I told that teacher, you know, when I finally got rid of algebra, why did I have to learn algebra? She said to pass the test. I said, but I'll never use it again. Why do I need algebra? I'm not, I'm not planning on teaching it. Why do I need algebra? It's to pass the test for one thing. You're not going any further if you don't pass the test. So when I got through with algebra, I thought that's the last time I'll ever pick up another algebra book. She said, you're going to need it for the rest of your life. No, I won't. What am I going to need algebra for? Then I had kids. <laughs> and they got in the ninth grade. And Jerry Ann didn't understand one thing about algebra. I said, give me your book. I got to read it again. And I thought, that lady was right. I'm going to have this for the rest of my life. Then we got her through algebra and we had grandkids. And Preston, her son, he was at the house one day and he brought his homework and it was an algebra book. He said, Pop, I don't know how to do this. I said, give me your book. Let me read it. And I read it. And then I started remembering those, you know, equations and all that stuff. And, and I, I said, now, Preston, here's how you do it. I believe this is how you do it. 
And, and so he did it all and he took it to school and he came back home. I could hardly wait till he got home to see if I passed. <laughs> and I passed, hallelujah. I'm not going to need algebra anymore until I have great grandkids. <laughs> Amen. You, you are not to learn the power of words and then say, okay, we passed that. Now let's move on to something else. You're going to use this revelation for the rest of your life. If you want God's best, come on, give him a shout, whether you want to hear it or not. Amen. Now, some of you, this is the first time you're hearing these things, but praise God. I hope it affects you like it did me because when I heard it, I thought, okay, I'm, I am ready to change my life. I'm ready to change my words and how I talk. And Carolyn and I even made a pact with one another that if one of us uh, said something negative, the other would bring it to our attention immediately and say, all right, that's your confession. I'm setting myself in agreement with it. It'll come to pass. I said, no, I don't want that to come to pass. Then correct what you said. And we made a pact to do that with each other until, praise God, we got enough word in us that now the word of God's in us in abundance and not the world's way of talking. And now it's been years and years and years. I don't have to stop and think about this anymore. It's lifestyle. Praise God. It's lifestyle. I don't talk negative. I don't talk sickness and disease. I don't talk poverty and lack. I don't talk failure. And I don't talk, well, I sure hope that comes to pass. I know it'll come to pass. Praise God. Because every word from God has an assignment on it to come to pass. And if I hold firmly to it, it will come to pass. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's in your heart in abundance, that's what's going to come out. Can you say amen? amen? Then verse 37 says this, Matthew chapter 12, verse 37. For by your words... For by your words, you shall be justified. By your words, you shall be condemned. Now notice your words, they're not just just out there and they don't have any other effect on you, a future effect. By your words, something's going to happen. Whether they're positive or negative. You're justified or you're condemned. Now here's what the word justified means here. Uh, well, the Amplified says it this way. For by your words, reflecting your spiritual condition. Your words reflect your spiritual condition. It locates you. And then it says, by your words, reflecting your spiritual condition, you will be justified or you will be condemned. And the word condemned here means to pronounce a sentence upon just like you standing in a, in a courtroom and you've done something against the law and, and you're found guilty, then there's a sentence passed on you. Your words, if they don't line up with God's word, there is a sentence about to be pronounced on you. Satan will take advantage of that. He's always looking for an opportunity. The Bible says, the apostle Paul said, Give the devil no place. And most people give him place 
by what's coming out of their mouth. And you say amen. amen. So condemned means to pronounce a sentence upon. Now, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 2, Solomon talks about this. Thou art snared or trapped with the words of your mouth. Thou art taken, and the amplified or the, uh, the dictionary says taken here means affected by. You're trapped by your words and you're affected by your words. In other words, you bring a sentence on yourself. You trap yourself. You don't even need the devil. You're trapping yourself by your own words. Can you say amen? Amen. So if you think your words have nothing to do with your outcome, then you're sadly mistaken. Let's take a quick look at someone who learned this lesson the hard way in the Bible. This man's name was Job. Anybody remember Job? Go with me to Job chapter 3. Job chapter 3. It really gets quiet in church every time I preach about this. (laughs) Job chapter 3 verse 1 says, now this is after... Satan had launched this onslaught against Job and his family. And verse 1 says, After this, open Job his mouth. Now, you're going to talk after an attack. You can't help it. You're going to talk after Satan has launched an attack against you. You're going to open your mouth. And what comes out of your mouth will either make you or break you. So notice here, after this attack was launched against him and his family, Job opened his mouth. Verse 2, and Job spake and said, let the day pass, or let the day perish wherein I was born. And the night in which it was said, there is a man child conceived. Now he's already regretting that he was ever born. Why was I ever born? I wish, I wish I'd never been born. See, he's, he's speaking out of his anguish. He's speaking out of the pressure that he's under. Then verse 11 says, why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Now, here's what the message translation says. Then Job broke his silence. That is a powerful point. Sometimes you just need to learn to be quiet. If you can't talk the word, shut up. One of the most valuable lessons Kenneth Copeland gave me Back in 1969, when I first met him, and I'm trying to tell him, you know, I wanted him to pray for me, and I'm trying to tell him what I was going through and all this stuff, and he just stood there with them piercing eyes looking at me. I knew I looked like I needed sympathy. (laughs) But here's what came out of his mouth. Jerry, you need to learn the vocabulary of silence. If you can't talk to words, shut up. And then he walked off. I thought, the vocabulary of silence? What in the world is that? I never even heard that phrase. And he didn't bother explaining. 
He just walked off and left me with that. I got so mad at him. That's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted him to say, it's that woman he gave us thou. (laughs) Or I wanted him to say, (laughs) you know, well, Job said that. I'm in trouble. And uh, I I didn't want it to be my fault. Look at your neighbor and say, I know he's telling the truth. We don't want it to be our fault that all of this is happening. Huh? And, and I'm thinking, why wouldn't he? I thought I asked him a decent question. Why wouldn't he bother explaining so I could understand what my problem was? He said, your problem is your big mouth and you need to learn the vocabulary of silence. And if you can't talk the words, shut up. And he just walked off. I got so mad at him. I walked in that room where I had his reel-to-reel tapes on my little reel-to-reel tape recorder. I pulled that favorite message off. I went out in the street and I rolled it down the street. And I watched 900 foot of tape just roll down the road. And I went in the house to get tape number two and I started to roll it. And the Spirit of God said, the answer to your problem is rolling down the street. I said, Lord, I'm probably the only person in this whole church that likes him. (laughs) And he had to, he had to, to insult me and, and he wouldn't answer my question. And he said, son, what he's trying to say to you is this. If you can't talk the word when you're under pressure, be silent until you can talk the word. Just be quiet because what comes out of your mouth next is going to make you or break you. And Satan hopes that that you will begin talking about this never works for me. It never happens for me. I'll never get out of debt. I'll always be broke. And now you just put yourself in a trap. You snared yourself and he will take advantage of that. Can you say amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, this really is a good sermon. You should be shouting. Hallelujah. I'm so glad every time somebody would tell Kenneth Hagin, Brother Hagin, don't you know anything else? You've been preaching this for 50 years. He said, when you get this, we'll move on to something new. (laughs) Amen. A lot of people hadn't got this yet. Now it says, Then Job broke his silence and he spoke up and cursed his fate. Notice he said the wrong things. He spoke up. He broke his silence and spoke the wrong thing. Sometimes breaking your silence is the worst thing you can do. And then it goes on to say, uh, talking about the day he was born and he said blank out the night that I was conceived let it be as a black hole in space may God above forget it ever happened erase it from the books may the day my birth be of my birth be blurred into deep darkness shrouded by the fog swallowed up by the night boy this man is angry <laughs> and he's talking it amen he's talking it 
Rip the date off the calendar, he went on to say. Turn that date into pure nothingness. Sounds like somebody's having a bad day. <laughs> Amen. And then he goes on to say in verse 11, why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? The message translation says, why didn't I die at birth? My first breath out of my womb should have been my last breath. <laughs> well, he's under pressure. Yeah. Now, Let's not criticize Job too much. I mean, dear Lord, have you read the attacks he went through? But let's keep in mind, this book of Job does not cover this man's whole life. Some people think that all of this happened to Job over a lifetime, that, that, that he spent his life living like this under these attacks. No, most theologians agree that the book of Job only covers between nine and 12 months of that man's life. Now, I agree, it was the worst 9 to 12 months you've ever read about. But it didn't end with him living in anguish and, 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 and Satan being allowed to just steal everything he had. It ended with God turned the captivity of Job and gave him twice everything he lost. Hallelujah. Amen. Can you say amen? But let's find out how Job acted in between. Because, you know, we're talking about a year now. What will you be saying this year while you're waiting for the prophetic word to come to pass? How will you be talking while you're waiting for the prophetic word to come to pass? Now, let's go to Job chapter 6. Praise God. Look at verse 24. Teach me, and I will hold my tongue, and cause me to understand wherein I have erred. How forcible are right words. Hallelujah. Man, looks like the man finally came to a revelation. He must have got a hold of a Kenneth Hagin tape. <laughs> Notice, he comes to this place where he says, teach me, and I'll hold my tongue. That's a place that every believer needs to come to. Teach me and I will hold my tongue and show me how I have been in error. And then he says, how forcible, how powerful are right words. He learned it the hard way. Amen. The, um, the word erred means used bad judgment. Teach me how I have been using bad judgment. It also means how I have departed from that which is right or acceptable. Teach me. And then verse 30 says, Is there iniquity in my tongue? And iniquity here implies sinful, evil speech or an absence or including an absence of spiritual value. The words that were coming out of his mouth, there was no spiritual value to them. They certainly weren't profitable. They weren't helping matters. And so he says, correct me, teach me, and I'll hold my tongue. The Bible says in Proverbs 10, 19, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. 
in the multitude of words, when you just talk and talk and talk and talk, and you never, you never put a guard over your vocabulary, the Bible says eventually your words are going to be sinful. They're going to be words that will ensnare you. They're going to be words that will hold you captive. In the modern English version, it says, in the multitudes of words, sin is not lacking. People that just talk all the time, it won't be long. About half what comes out of their mouth will be negative. Thank you for your enthusiasm. The Amplified Bible says, when there are many words, transgression and offense are unavoidable. But he who controls his lips and keeps thoughtful silence is wise. Hallelujah. You want to be wise? Shut thy mouth. Particularly when you're under pressure. Particularly when Satan has launched an attack. Be careful what comes out of your mouth. Don't give him additional ammunition. Can you say amen? This is a great lesson to learn, but most of the body of Christ don't adhere to it. And that's why most in the body of Christ never see the promises fulfilled because they don't think their words have anything to do with it. Yeah, Yeah, brother Jerry, ah, I can talk any way I want to. Well, go ahead and see what your outcome will be. Somebody say, well, if our words had anything to do with it, Why didn't, when I said four or five times, uh, that just scares me to death. Why didn't I just die if my words have anything to do with it? Because if you died the first time you said it, it would blow Satan's cover. If you said, that just scared me to death. And right in the presence of other people, you just fell over dead. Somebody would say, wow. And then if you said, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that we might die if we do that. And they saw you do it and you died instantly. Well, somebody finally think, you think they have, their words have anything to do with this? That guy said scared him to death and he died right in front of us. They said if they did this, they'd probably die. And they did it and they died. Do you think maybe their words had anything to do with it? See, Satan would blow his cover. Now he's going to let you, he's going to build a case before he passes the sentence. Uh-uh. Amen. My grandfather, my dad's dad, I was the first grandchild, the oldest grandchild. My grandfather told me as far back as I can remember when I was just a little boy. He'd say, son, I hope to live to see you graduate from high school. Every time he saw me. Son, I hope to live to see you graduate from high school. And I graduated from high school in 1964, May of 1964. I started college at Louisiana Tech, uh, September of 1964. My first week at college, I got a call from my dad, and he said, your grandfather died. He said, I hope to see, I hope to live to see you graduate. He came to my graduation in May of 64. By September of 64, he was dead. 
Now, if I, 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 had, I didn't know the power of words back then. God reminded me of that later. Yeah. Now, if I'd, have, if I'd have gone and told, you know, my aunts, my uncles, my dad's brothers and all them, uh, folks, be careful how you talk. Because Grandpa said all my life, young life that he just wanted to live to see me graduate. He saw me graduate and he died. Your words carry power. Nobody would have believed me. Ah, we don't believe that. And dear Lord, this revelation has been in the Bible all these years. Yes, sir. Amen. And folks still don't believe it. And still some of them get mad when I teach it. Some of them ignore it. Can you say amen? amen? But remember what Job said, teach me and I'll hold my tongue. Teach me. Look at somebody and say, I want God to teach me and I'll hold my tongue. But do you really mean that? Well, let's find out if Job really meant it. Go to Job chapter seven. Job chapter seven. And look at verse, well, you really need to read verses uh, one down to verse 10. I don't have time to do that, but you just watch how Job's speaking after he said, teach me and I'll hold my tongue. Well, he's back to talking negative. He's back to talking, you know, his anguish. And then finally, verse 11, he just, he just, he just blurts it out. Therefore, I will not refrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. His revelation lasted one chapter. (laughs) How long has yours lasted? Mine now is 49 years, praise God. That I learned to put a, a, a guard over my vocabulary. Hallelujah. And the promises are coming to pass. Hallelujah. So it sounds like many Christians today, they'll hear it and they let go of it before they get to the car or they let go of it before dark and they start speaking again in the anguish of their spirit. They hear a message like this, get inspired by it, but by dark, they're back to talking doubt and unbelief and I get blamed for why it's not working. David admitted that he had experienced this problem too. In Psalm 39, verses 1 through 3, the Amplified Bible says, I said, I will guard my ways that I might not sin with my tongue. I will muzzle my mouth. But you go read the Psalms. And most of them all start with negative speech. Now, somewhere during the Psalm, he gets a hold of himself And it turns into something positive. Amen. I will muzzle my tongue. But did David do that all the time? The message translation says, I am determined to watch my steps and tongue so they won't land me in trouble. (laughs) Now be honest. How many of you truly watch your mouth? How many of you truly have put a guard over your vocabulary? I'm not asking for a show of hands. How many of you have felt like giving up and just throw in the towel and quit because it looks like it's not working? Well, that's exactly what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to let go of this revelation because 
You know, I said it three times and nothing happened. I don't get what I say. Yeah, you just got what you said. You said it three times and nothing happened. You just got what you said. I'm going to try this side of the table. You said nothing's happening, and you just got what you said. Nothing's happening. Amen? It's working for you. It's working for you just like Jesus said it would, only in the negative. Can you say amen? How many of you have ever heard me say quitting is not an option? If you truly want your 2018 to be days of glory, days of flourishing, and days of abounding, and I repeat, you must, and I say it again, you must watch what comes out of your mouth, and you must not give up. Hallelujah. Don't treat this lesson today like algebra. (laughs) Amen. You are going to need it for the rest of your life. If you want God's best, give the Lord a good shout. Praise God. Now, it took, it took Job 42 chapters to come to the place where he could say, Job 42, verses 1 and 2. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do anything. I know that you can do everything. 42 chapters later, and he finally comes to this conclusion. I know that you can do anything. How many chapters will it take you to come to the place where you know that God can cause your days to be days of glory, days of flourishing, and days of abounding? He got his speech corrected. He got his attitude corrected. And the Bible says in verse 6 of chapter 42, he repented. And then look what happened. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. The Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than the beginning. Sounds like to me, Job had days of glory, days of flourishing, and days of abounding. Can you give the Lord a good shout? Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Now, now don't walk out of here and say, boy, that sermon today just thrilled me to death. No, 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 don't say that. (laughs) Amen. Just say, praise God, that brother Jerry did some preaching today, didn't he? And I received it. Amen. Stand to your feet, if you will, please. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. One of the greatest revelations I've ever received is when I learned to put a guard over my vocabulary. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I receive your word today. I'm being taught how to guard my mouth, the power of my words, and the fact that they, have an, they, they create an outcome. And from this day forward, I will put a guard over my vocabulary because I want your best in my life. I want days of glory. I want days of flourishing. 
And I want days of abounding. And from what I've seen in the word today, that's not possible. If I just keep talking like the world. So Lord, help me in this. I yield to your Holy Spirit. I yield to your word. I will learn this lesson. And praise God, I will have your promise fulfilled. In the name of Jesus. And they'll give him praise. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now reach over and lay your hands on somebody nearby. And say there's power in agreement. And I want to agree with you right now. That this lesson you heard today. Will lodge deeply in your heart. Never forget it. Acting on it every day. And thereby. Be blessed in all your deeds. So just set yourself in agreement with them right now. You just, you just do that. Set yourself in agreement right now in the name of Jesus that, that this is a, a valuable lesson that they won't let go of. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Let's lift our hands and thank God. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. As the priest and the prophet of this house today, I decree over you days of glory, days of flourishing, and days of abounding. Somebody shout, so be it. And give the Lord another shout. Hallelujah.